0: Welcome to episode 59 of So Important, the interview podcast. Our guest today is an old friend of the podcast, Mr. Adam Pohl, who is the director of marketing for the Bowie Bay Sox, the AA minor league affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. Adam was my guest way back on episode four, and he is just the man to help us get ready for the 2023 baseball season. This season is going to be very different from what we've become accustomed to. Baseball has adopted a number of new rules aimed at speeding the game up and reestablishing the balance between hitting and pitching that, in my estimation, is at the heart of what makes the national pastime so great. All of these rules have been in play in the minor leagues for a few years now, so Adam is the perfect man to help break it all down for us. He will prepare us for the changes that are just weeks away from hitting the major leagues. We're talking a pitch clock as well as the end of the defensive shift, bigger bases and other steps to move the game away from the homer heavy emphasis we've seen the past few years. And we'll talk about a couple other recent changes as well. The expanded playoffs that were initiated last year and for this year, the implementation of a balanced schedule that will impact how your team's schedule plays out. But first, Adam, welcome back. I don't have a lot of repeat guests, so this puts you in a very special <laughs> category.
1: Thank you so much, Monty. I'll tell you, our first conversation, episode four, was so great. I got to talk a lot about my career as a broadcaster, my philosophy, and it was it was really... It, uh, a conversation that that I loved, and you know, even going now, like I, I find myself to be in some ways a bit of a divisive broadcaster. A lot of broadcasters are, are like wallpaper, you know, and uh, for me, I'm the opposite. So some people love that, or some people think it's a little bit over the top. I we really never thought like, of you
0: as divisive, because my brother uh, Sam, he still talks about how kind you were when we came to visit after the broadcast, and guessed. you let us sit in the booth, and yeah. you let us have water. He still talks about. He remembers all. That that very fondly.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But I'm super happy to be back. And I think that uh, our conversation today is going to be really interesting for people that like baseball because um, th- this is going to be a change in baseball. It's like a sport that is so averse to change. People value the records in baseball so much so and, and just tweaking the game even the, the least most or the little most, if you will, uh, can really, really frustrate people. But I think baseball fans are going to really, for the most part, enjoy the changes that Major League Baseball is making this year. And we'll talk about that in greater depth.
0: Well, we are going to talk about it. But first, I want to know what's going on with you, because I know there have been a lot of changes since we last spoke.
1: My role with the Bowie Bay Sox is different now, which is exciting. I'm no longer the team's main broadcaster. Um, I've now taken on a, a, a bigger business role. So I'm the director of marketing. It is my job. we try trying to get more people to come to a Bowie Bay Sox game. And I've got a great team of, of employees that work with me in that. And um, I still am the broadcaster of Mount St. Mary's basketball. The Mount, we are hitting March, March Madness. It's the time of year for college basketball. I'm a huge college basketball guy. This year, the Mount has gone to a new conference. My last broadcast on the men's side, Rick Pitino was the coach of the other team. We play Iona College in New Rochelle, New York. And then lastly, really the exciting new thing in a radio sense is that Thursday and Friday mornings, I'm the sports update anchor from 5 a.m. until noon on both uh, 106.7 The Fan, so that's during the Sports Junkie Show, and uh, J.P., uh, B. Mitch and Finley, which is J.P. Finley, and Brian Mitchell, and then on ninety nine FM Bloomberg Radio. I think my updates only go till nine am there, but uh, but I'm on a few times an hour, giving a one minute sports update. So it's a lot of fun. More people are hearing my voice than ever before because of that, and uh, and I really, really have enjoyed being a part of uh, both those radio stations.
0: Well, I didn't realize that I was talking with such a celebrity. That kind of changes everything. I feel like yes, I, you so I'm know. A legend
1: in my own mind.
0: I, I allege, yeah, I feel the same way when I think about my career. To tell you the truth, but, but uh, you know, now that I know that, I'll be sure I treat you with a certain higher level of respect and give you the gravitas that you clearly deserve.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yes, most definitely.
0: And so, I know when we talk about baseball, I know I'm talking to the right person. Let's go back to what you were saying a minute or two ago. Sure. You talked about how hard it is for baseball to change, but it seems like under Manfred, he, he really wanted to come in and make some differences.
1: The pitch clock, I think, is the biggest thing we're going to talk about today in how it will affect how people see and enjoy the game of baseball. And uh, the pitch clock was instituted in double and triple-A in the minor leagues four, or five years ago, I think. I think 2018. Yeah, it was 2018 was the first year. So in my opinion... It's been a very, very slow ramp up to bring this to fruition uh, of having it happen in Major League Baseball. But, you know, uh, there are a lot of changes that could happen, you know, in Major League Baseball, the length of the overall season, you know, things like this, you know, over the next few decades. But this was, in my opinion, the number one thing that needed to happen in the game. I know everybody doesn't feel that way.
0: The pitchers are now on a clock. 15 seconds to throw their pitch with no runners on. 20 seconds when runners are on. They can only make two moves toward first base, only two pickoff attempts. Mm -hmm. And from the batter's perspective, they have to be in position and alert to what's going on with the pitcher with eight seconds left on the clock. And they can take one timeout per bat. So that is a fundamental change, how the basic relationship between the pitcher and batter is going to play out, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I I think back to some of the batters that had such elongated routines. Uh, Nomar Garcia-Para comes to mind with the Red Sox. He would fasten his batting gloves like 10 times between every pitch. But if you watch an older baseball game from the 50s, 60s, 70s, it, it's striking. Like you watch Jim Palmer pitch in, in, in the 1970 World Series against the Reds, and it's unbelievable how fast the game is moving. Now, they do take more time in between innings for commercial breaks, things like that, than they did in that era. But but the reality is the time in which the game is going on has exponentially been lengthened. And we saw it immediately in Bowie what uh, the pitch clock could do so in 2019, uh, the Bowie Bay Sox had the best ERA for any team in all of minor league baseball over 120 teams. When you're when you're a great pitching team, the games go quicker, right? <laughs> because you're just getting outs. And we that year averaged a two and a half hour game on the dot, two hours and 30 minutes for 140 games is our average game time. And the Orioles that year, average game time was over three hours and 10 minutes. I mean, it's just wild. You know, these players, double A players become major league players. Everybody that's a major league player has played at the double A level. So, it, it, it's just kind of bizarre that it could be so vastly different. I, I would do 30 to 45 minutes of post-game work quite often, get in my car, and the O's would be in the seventh inning. And our games would have started at the same time.
0: The biggest problem I've had personally with baseball is just sitting there for Three, three three and a half, sometimes four hours for a game to play out. No doubt I've about. watched a couple minor league games already and boom, two hours and 40 minutes, they're done.
1: Maybe it's because I'm a child of a time when games were two and a half hours, right? But, but I mean, it just feels right. And when when you're at a three hour and 15 minute two to one baseball game, it just feels like it is going on forever. And if you're at a two hour and 30 minute Two-to-one baseball game, to me, it's an incredibly exciting thing. So I I think it's going to be really, really great for the game and for helping to grow the game. The other thing that's something that I haven't seen anybody talk about is the reality is this, the lion's share of people that reach the major leagues, sadly, don't stay in the game that long. So when you're thinking about four or five years of this being at the upper levels of the minor leagues... I mean, my guess would be that 70 to 80% of Major League Baseball players right now have played with the pitch clock before. There's players, you know, obviously like a Max Scherzer or a, you know, like for us, Bowie Bayside's great, Manny Machado. You know, these guys have been in the major leagues for a decade. So they, they, they have not had the pitch clock, right? And so there is going to be an adjustment for the biggest names of the game. But, you know, if you are have been in the major leagues less than 5 four or 5 years, you've already played with it. So it's not going to be that big of an adjustment.
0: What are you seeing from the players? How are they reacting to this? And for the most part, they're used to this, right?
1: Yes, and so and it's interesting because it's mostly about the pitcher. Pitchers will will learn how to manipulate the clock. A lot of times, pitchers take more time in a major league game because they're trying to you know really focus, concentrate, you know, get everything right. They're trying to get into a mode to make this pitch um, because there's so much riding on it for these guys' careers. Obviously, in a game, now you're kind of forced into a faster rhythm. And I think that uh, we're going to see the average game time in Major League Baseball last year was 3 hours and 11 minutes. It has gone up exponentially. I mean, it's gone up almost every year by a minute or two. And uh, I think what we're going to see is that the average game time in the Major Leagues this year – is going to be somewhere in the range of two hours and 40, two hours and 50 minutes. You know, we're just days into spring training, and they're saying that the average game time for spring training games is 30 minutes less.
0: I'm personally really genuinely excited about this, but I want to talk about a couple of the other things too. There's two other big ones. One is the defensive shift. It was my team, the Pirates, that were one of the – not the only, but one of the pioneers in this. Well, let me read the rule. Two infielders on either side of second base, so you can think an imaginary line that they have to be on at least before the pitch – You know, while the pitcher is on the rubber. All four infielders must have both feet on the ground while the Mm -hmm. pitcher is on the rubber.
1: And by on the ground, you mean on the dirt. So they can't be in the outfield grass. That's, yes. You're
0: exactly right. On, on the dirt. And I've had a debate with some friends about this. And, you know, I understand the argument that says, well, any team should be able to do whatever they want to prevent runs from scoring. But I think where I come down on this in the end is that it really hurt left handed batters unfairly.
1: I agree. I'm, I'm really, really interested in the long-term ramifications of this rule more than any other. So <laughs> I'm trying to think of how deep in this rabbit hole I want to get. About 10 years ago, the Orioles had a pitching coach named Rick Peterson. One of the things that the Orioles pitchers in that time did was when they threw their bullpen session. So when they were practicing, they put two stakes in the ground and they put a rope, a little thin thin rope across and that would, was basically where a batter's knees would be. And the goal was to always, almost hit, basically hit that string or that little thin rope. Meaning, we want to pitch down in the strike zone. Everything's down. You pitch down, people are going to hit ground balls, you know, things like that. Well, what's happened in baseball is that when the shifts happened, just less balls that were being hit were becoming base hits. So the value of the power hitter exponentially increased and all of a sudden you heard launch angle. Everybody was talking about their launch angle. I need to drive the ball. I don't want to pop it up, but I need to drive it at a certain angle. So by trying to find that launch angle and hitting it up, all of a sudden what you're doing as a hitter is what? You're swinging up at the baseball so you don't have as flat of a path to the ball with your bat you're uppercutting at the ball right so even these you know players that back in the day would be more of these slap hitters there's no there aren't any slap hitters in baseball anymore everybody's trying to hit a home run so that takes away a lot of the nuance of the game in my opinion what has happened then when when home runs skyrocketed in baseball five six whatever many years ago the most effective pitch became the high fastball. All of a sudden, instead of the Rick Peterson work down in the zone, work down in the zone, it was all about we got to change a guy's eye level. It's almost like you're working down, but your out pitch is just throwing an elevated between your thigh and you know your chest fastball. And you're getting that guy to chase it because guess what? His swing has a loop up, so he can't hit the ball high in the strike zone anymore, right? Because the way people are swinging now, you know, their swinging is kind of more of a hit that pitch low in the zone. I just think that with shifts being taken away, what you're going to see is once again, a much higher percentage of balls that are hit in play, especially ground balls that become base hits. When you're a very fast player, if you're hitting the ball in the air, your speed means nothing because it's just a ball that's caught. But if you're an extremely speedy player, like when I was a kid, you know, guys like uh, Willie McGee of the Cardinals, uh, Willie Wilson was another one of the Cardinals teams. These guys that would slap the ball on the ground and, you know, race the first. You know, left-handed hitters that could just put the ball in play and and be so tough to get out. I'm hoping that we see a little bit more of that in today's game. And uh, it's going to take years for those players to develop because it takes time for the game to change and players' habits to change towards the new rules of the game. But what you're going to see is it's going to be a glaring difference of the amount of ground balls that are hit that are not outs or double plays that end up being base hits. And what baseball wants to do is they want more balls in play. And with these uppercut swings and the high fastballs, we're seeing more home runs and more strikeouts. And in effect, we're seeing less action. And in this very weird way, that if you start getting guys that are hitting the ball to all fields with a flat bat path, or you know, and just saying, "Hey, if I hit the ball on the ground now, you know, I got actually have a, a chance to get a hit," uh, and you might say, "Well, Adam, look, if they're putting three guys on the right side of the infield, just hit it to the left." But I mean, the reality is, that didn't it, happen. It, it wasn't happening. So I just, I, I'm really excited to see more of baseball the way we used to see it played, you know, 30 or 40 years ago.
0: I think it'll be really great to see how this one plays out. What I was getting at at the very beginning, even as a kid, I always thought what was so cool about baseball was the balance. You know, the players have to be offensive and defensive. Everything is very, very much symmetrical. And it seemed to me that the shift took that away. I understood it though, but I think in the end, it's going to be better for the game.
1: It will be very different. And the depth of the infielder is very important, too. What you said about having your two feet on the dirt. Like we would always have here in the minor league parks, your shallow outfield grass is like worn out where the shortstop stands, you know, or where the second baseman stands. They would always stand in the outfield grass. So so now just forcing players to play a little bit more in, your range is taken away a little bit and more balls are going to be able to uh, to get through.
0: Now, we we should spend a minute or two talking about the third major change, which yeah. is encouraging stolen bases to come back because they've been way down. And what we see are the bases expanded from 15 to 18 inches, the distance reduced by three inches from home to first and home to third, and by 4.5 inches from first to second and second to third. That's significant. And then the third factor is that pitchers can only make two disengagements, which are pickoff attempts or step-offs. And if it's a violation, it's a balk. That's the one that gives me a little trouble. But before we get yeah, to that, yeah, let's I'm go back Ricky and talk Hill. big picture. It seems like this will, in fact, open up the running game a bit, right?
1: You know, the, the feeling is that a stolen base is an exciting play in baseball, and uh, we want to see more of it. I mean, the thought of somebody doing what Ricky Henderson did in the early 80s right now in the game is you know, mind-boggling. The tough thing, of course, is if you're limiting the amount of pickoff throws, it just seems like you're taking away – some way for a pitcher to try to hold some guy that's so fast on at first. That's a little tough. Um, but I think exactly the way that you're talking about it, Monty, is exactly how it seems, that that this is going to encourage that. The other thing, though, that I think is as important or maybe even more important to the players is that this is actually is something that players have been asking for with player safety. So making the bases a little bit bigger is going to help uh, with these bang-bang plays at bases. Whether it's a pitcher going over and covering first base... On a uh, on a ground ball to the right side of the infield where they're running and the guy's running through the bag or uh, a force play at second base things like that it's going to allow players to slide towards an outside part of the bag or to run through a part of the bag where there's not a worry that they might in effect step on each other so nothing against a running game but I almost think that the bases being enlarged is you know a way to try to uh, keep players from being hurt than anything else
0: in the minors you've seen the number go down the number of Injuries related to this kind of action yes, is that yes, right? I didn't
1: even know that. I'm not surprised by that, though. I have seen some some pretty rough injuries in my two decades around minor league baseball. I mean, you know, you you see a few thousand baseball games. You're going to see it all, right? But or not all, but but you're going to see most. You'll never most see, it You'll never <laughs> see it all in baseball. Never see it all in baseball. But but yeah. So so I think this is a, a smart move in that regard.
0: The one area where I do have a concern is that by limiting the pitcher you're giving an advantage to the base runner. They can basically move off the base to the extent that they want to, but maybe that just is something that we need to see how it plays out.
1: I guess. Yeah. But I I 100% agree. I I, I just personally would not have put that as a part of it. It's so rare that a pitcher throws over to first base seven times. And I understand that that has happened in major league history. One of the great moments for the Orioles in 1983, Tippy Martinez picked off three guys in one inning. (laughs) And that might not happen again. Of course, that wouldn't have happened again with the old rules either. But no, I'm actually in agreement. to me that it's kind of unnecessary. It's another way of trying to speed up the game and presenting action. And you can argue that you're taking away a defense's ability by taking away the shift. You know, so this is just another aspect of it. But I just think it's kind of unnecessary.
0: Yeah, we'll see if that one lasts because it's so... It seems so blatant in the uh, asymmetry there, but uh, let's just talk for a minute about the other thing, which is the balanced schedule. And particularly in the context of the uh, expanded playoffs that were initiated last year, teams are not going to play as many games against other teams in their division, and they're going to play more interleague games, and they're going to play everybody at least once every two years. And it's going to be a real change. Do you see a relationship between that and how the playoffs are going to play out?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I I, I don't know if it's going to affect the playoffs per se. Maybe it will, though. I mean, if you face a team six times during the year, uh, like you would have in the past, you know, think about the World Series. You're going to play every team in baseball now, I believe, where you used to just play for the Nationals, they would only play uh, each American League team once every three years. So now if you're the Nationals, and I understand this year, we're probably not going to be talking about this, but if you're in the World Series, you will have now played against that team. And that that really helps you uh, in your scouting. Altogether, though, too, when you face teams less often, the players, you know, they don't have as much of a feel for, uh, for the opposition. So I do think that that will make a big difference. I mean, you see it where it's like, uh, you know, a certain player can't hit against a certain team. It's like, oh my god, this guy can't hit against the the, uh, the Red Sox, you know, and he's got to play the Red Sox set eighteen times. So, so I think that that will be important too because you're going to be playing the teams in your division. Less. So that's the biggest thing that stands out to me.
0: The other aspect that they talk about is that you'll be able to see the Shoei Atani's in your home ballpark every couple of years. The Mike Trouts, you know? That could be an interesting aspect to this.
1: It's a great marketing piece. If you really think about the other sports that are similar in nature and they're scheduling the NHL and the NBA, they do that. Every team plays in every market every year. Now, it won't be that way this time because like the Orioles will only play the Cincinnati Reds in one series. So one year that series will be in Cincy and then in theory the next year that will be in Baltimore. But but it goes to your point. I, I do think though... That uh what really stands out to me is how it is going to play out for teams that are in certain divisions. Uh, for instance, in the AL East, there's no weak link. All five teams in the American League East are expecting to have a winning record this year. Boston is a little bit down, but the Orioles uh obviously are are much further up than in years past because they've got a great youth movement. Toronto's got a great ball club. The Yankees are the Yankees. And Tampa Bay is, you know, I mean they're they're kind of a young machine that's always trucking. So with all that being said. When those teams are playing each other 17 to 20 times a piece, you know, it's pretty pretty tough to really make headwinds when you're playing, you know, a, such a tough opponent so often. One-third of your of your schedule is in effect against your division. That's the old way. But now all of a sudden you're playing the American League Central and you're taking on, you know, the Guardians. Well, the Guardians would be good, but, but it's like, oh, I don't have to play the Yankees, but I get to play the Royals? Yeah, I, I think that for certain teams in certain divisions, it's going to really benefit and for others it's going to really hurt them.
0: So, you're going into the second year of the designated hitter in the National League. You've right. got all these changes that are taking place. What does this mean for the fan?
1: It's a lot of change at one time. I guess that is something that's important because in, in baseball, you know, change is, is the tortoise and not the hare. But I think that the most important piece of the puzzle is. Is that pitch clock, and I think the pitch clock is going to energize longtime baseball fans. Longtime baseball fans usually, when you see people talking about the this, the nature of the game, the scope of the game, it's usually in, in a somewhat negative light. And I, I feel that this is going to bring a lot of positivity. Uh, we're coming out of COVID, obviously. Mo- most people. Especially with baseball being an outdoor sport, I uh, feel very comfortable going to games now. So I, I think it's going to be a, a really great summer for Major League Baseball.
0: I am really looking forward to it. I'm one of those old time fans that is really energized by all this, and I'm also very active in the brotherhood at my temple. And I can tell yes. you, these guys are going to listen to every word of this podcast. They are going <laughs> to love <laughs> it. And we I'm come out it. to Bowie every year on Father's every Day. Year. We come out, and uh, they're going to love hearing what you had to say. It's great stuff.
1: Well, thank you so much, Monty. I, I know it, sometimes it, you can get a little bit in the weeds with some of this stuff, but if you really think of it, they're trying to speed up the game. They're trying to get more balls put in play because the that's the exciting part of baseball—not watching a guy, t- you know, take pitches, swing and miss. And I, as you mentioned even bring a little bit of speed back into the game of baseball, more nuance into the game, meaning everybody's not just up there trying to hit the ball over the wall, which is such a hard thing to do in the game. So uh, unless your name is Aaron Judge. It's
0: it's boring. One of the best games I was ever at was the Pirates and the Nats many years ago, and mm -hmm. the final score was two to one. And the game took less than two hours and it was great.
1: Exactly. So if, if baseball can get back to being a sport that's generally a two-hour, 30-minute, two-hour, 45-minute game, it's important. And think about it in a postseason narrative as well. You know, Major League Baseball's big moments in the postseason are happening at midnight. These games start at 8.07, and they go for four hours. Why so don't it, they
0: change that? They should figure that one out.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're trying to make it so that people know. on the West Coast can get off work and catch the beginning of the game, I get it. But yeah, if you're starting a game at 7.30, even a slight change like that, and the game's taking two hours and 30, you know, two hours, 40 minutes, a World Series game, let's say, well, that game is ending at 10 o'clock, 10, 15.
0: That is a great point. But you know what? They're always going to find a way to drag out those World Series games. <laughs> they will. <laughs> uh, but, but your point is a great one. Uh, Adam, you've been full of great points. And we're going to have you back after the season to how to reassess all this and see how it went. Love what it. do you think?
1: It would be my honor. I'd love to be a part of it again. So thank you so much, Monty.
0: Well, thank you, Adam. This is this is really great, and uh, my fourteen listeners are going to listen to every word.
1: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'll make it fifteen because you got me. All right.
0: Thank you very much, Adam.
1: Thanks so much.